Okay, so settle our hearts, God, prepare our minds, help our ears to be able to hear your word. Those kinds of prayers, I just think, need to be prayed every Sunday morning. We walk into Sunday morning with distractions. We all have stuff that's going on in life. I say it's financial, it's relational, it's health-related, it's job-related, but there's all these things. Our wheels are turning. We wake up at 3 o'clock in, mo- in the morning, and we're thinking of something, right? This morning, I woke up with this, this song that was on my heart, and I've been sharing it with other people. It's this old, early 90s song that says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. And I just keep on singing this over and over and over, being reminded, we're going to the house of God. We're going to open up the word of God and we're going to receive the truths from the word of God that are the only things that make life make sense. And our hearts and minds need to be prepared for that. So I just want to pray. Pray that my own heart would be open and that your hearts and your minds would be open as well. So let's pray together. Father, this is the the church in Elizabeth and that we call Redstone Church Elizabeth and that's a part of your larger church. Lord, we we love you, but we need to love you more. Lord, we have a relationship with you, but we don't understand how magnificent that it is that creation can know, walk with, communicate with, be loved by and loved back, the creator of all things. Lord, we have many things going on in our lives, and sometimes they can distract us and they can pull us away and they can... They can uh, distract us to the degree that we can't hear the truths that we need to hear. And we can't remember the things that we need to remember. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would just take away all those barriers. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Open up our ears. Help our eyes to be able to see the specific words from this grand book of 2 Peter. Lord, today is as you know, by way of the introduction, but there will still be words that will be spoken by me. And Lord, I pray that anything that is not of you would just fall so quickly to the ground that no one would remember it. But what is of you would remain and it would change us. Lord, the desire is for all of us that we must decrease and Jesus, you must increase. That is our heart's desire. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, I just said it in a prayer. Oh, looky there. See if it works. Ta-da! We are in 2 Peter. So if you're new to Redstone, last semester we walked um, all the way through 1 Peter, verse by verse. We loved it. It was life-changing in so many ways. And then we took a break, as we always do in the summertime, to do something different. This past summer, we happened to walk through some of like the core, basic doctrines of the faith. And I just wanted to say, you know, first and foremost, thank you to the, the men uh, that stepped into that, to those teachings. It was good. It was grand. And then from a personal standpoint, it's good for me to like have that space in, in July to be able to think and pray and to meet with people that sometimes I'm not able to meet with and just have a little bit of margin. So um, I thank you for that as well. So now we're going to move forward into Second Peter. Today is going to be very much less preachy. I can promise you, and it's an introduction. We're going to actually walk through the whole book, and Sam Adams is going to be sitting on the stool in a moment. He's 
concerned about like the height thing because I'm here and he's there. Just tell him not to worry about that. Nobody's going to pay any attention. We won't, we won't even talk about that. See, I've already done it. Right, right. I've already done it. So I've just made it worse. And, but he's going to read all three chapters of Second Peter to us. Okay, so by way of introduction, to kind of give context in the second Peter, my father-in-law, who's passed away now, he used to tell this just ridiculous joke, and he would tell it all the time. He would say, hey, do you know who's buried in Grant's tomb? And oftentimes, people would be like, no, I have no idea. And he would say, Grant, silly, it's Grant's tomb. And he'd just chuckle. He thought that was so funny that people wouldn't know. So flipping that here, guess who wrote second Peter? Grant? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, the second Peter, right? Who, who wrote the book of John? Who wrote, the, who wrote the book of James? Who wrote the book of 1 Timothy? Ah, there you go. See, you're paying attention. It, it doesn't always work. So this book was written by Peter. Um, and it's a lot different than his, his first book, which we'll explain. Peter died, he was martyred in Rome sometime during the, the reign of Nero. So we know that he had to write this book sometime between AD 65 and 68. And it was just before his death. And here's a thing that I want you to see, and we're gonna come back to it a couple of times this morning as we look into this passage. Peter knew that his time was coming to an end. He knew that he was going to be departing this world soon, and he felt compelled to share some words before he did. Here's what he says. If you'll look at 2 Peter 1.14, dot, 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 since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And as I was thinking about that, and praying through that this week, I came up with this question for me, and I'm going to give it to you as well. If you knew that your time would soon be coming to a close, would you have something to say? What message or what messages would you want to communicate and who would you want to communicate with? Man, I've been thinking about that all week long. Who would I go to? What would I say if I knew that my time was short? Well, that's where Peter is. And it's so helpful for us that we understand that context. And with Peter knowing, Jesus has told me, your time's coming to an end. Your time is short. He has chosen to pray through, hear from the Lord, and write down a series of warnings to the church. Kind of the broader way of looking at that is at the end of his life, his focus was on Christ's church, the kingdom of God, and the glory of God. That was what was coming out of his heart. That was what was coming off of his pen. That was what was going out. He cared about the things of God. He had an eternal perspective. I mean, even if I just kind of stopped there, I'm like, oh God, let's just spend the rest of the morning praying that we would be ready to leave and that we would have such a gospel-centric focus in our lives that it would just ooze out of us. And instead of 
these moments where we say, oh yeah, I'd probably go to these people and I would say these things. God, that you would help us to be bold and ambitious and not wait, but say those things now. Because tomorrow is a, it's a, it's a lie. We don't know that it's going to be there. It's a figment of our imagination. We're not guaranteed any tomorrow. This is what we have today, this moment. God, help us to be bold and speak those words. Now, going back to 1 Peter, if you'll recall, 1 Peter was written primarily to console the church. And we spent a whole semester here. He was consoling brothers and sisters who were undergoing various forms of persecutions and sufferings because of their faith. It was within their family, it was within their jobs, it was in their you know, civic communities. These persecutions were coming from unbelievers. But there's a difference. If you look at 2 Peter, it's a warning. And the tone is entirely different. This is a very intense book. 1 Peter, we encountered the enemy attacking the church from the outside, again, through unbelievers, primarily through afflictions and persecutions. But now, when Peter's coming to the end of his life, he's addressing the various ways that the enemy is attacking from the inside, from within the walls of the church. We'll see it through false teachings. There were individuals that were deceiving and coercing believers. And through a spirit of apathy that had permeated the church. And it was causing individuals to forget the truths of the gospel itself. Some of the leaders were, they were living and they were behaving in a way that was completely inconsistent with Christianity. But they were leaders. And then some of the leaders were teaching in a way that was causing confusion and division and even apostasy within the church. And Peter addresses both of those head on. He doesn't mince any words. It's a very intense, very bold, very direct warning that he's giving to the church. Before when I wrote to you, persecution was taking place and it was coming from unbelievers and I was reminding you of the gospel and I was sharing with you how you respond and how you live in light of these persecutions from unbelievers. This time I'm writing to you church because the enemy has changed his tactic and he's actually trying to deceive and cause division, but he's doing it from within. This is a stern, stern warning. So his call is to warn the church of these tactics and to recall in their minds and in their hearts the truths of the gospel. As I was preparing just to get started, I read all kinds of different outlines that are out there in commentaries and, and other books, but I came up with this one instead. So as I read through it, here's what I see as our outline, and this is what we're going to use as we walk our way through it. These are warnings within 2 Peter. The first warning, and this is in your worship guide if you like to fill in, the, in the, fill in the blanks. The first one is simply don't forget. Don't forget, which will make more sense as we work through it in the coming weeks. The second one is don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. The third one, don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. And then the fourth one is don't doubt 
his soon return. Now, those are a lot of heavy don'ts. Those are negatives. So if you prefer positive statements in this world that we live in today, they would look like this. It would say, remember, continue growing, stay alert, and live expecting his soon return. But I have chosen the, the negative declarative statements because it seems more fitting to the tone that I hear from Peter with his very straightforward language in 2 Peter. I said this earlier, but this morning, without being preachy, we're going to do an introduction into 2 Peter. We're going to walk through the whole text. We're not going to preach through them today, but don't fear. That'll come. We will preach through all of them. But I would just like to, before we get started with that, briefly show you a couple of verses that tie back to this outline that we're walking through. So the first one, don't forget. So look at chapter 1, verses nine, verse 9, if you have your Bibles out. So I'd go ahead and get it out because we're going to walk through the whole thing together. And he says, whoever lacks these qualities, the qualities that we'll discuss in a few weeks, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from his former sins. Just a quick pause. It was 2011, October of 2011, when the Lord really changed my life on a personal level. And you know how sometimes you have, we talk about these fence posts in your life, like this major event or this suffering that took place or this relationship, you know, or whatever. In my life, October of 2011, I won't go through the whole testimony, but I remember like staying up all night and praying and just confessing and struggling well and, and waiting for Cammie to get up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, because I had to, you know, some things I needed to say. And it, there was something about that, that, that month where I said, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care if I'm naked before God in the world. I don't care if I lose my job. I cannot continue to live the way that I'm living. That was only 11 years ago. And I remember just being like, Lord, I am yours. You can do with me whatever you will, but no more hypocrisy. No more hypocrisy. I want to know you, walk with you, love you, be known by you. And it was actually 2 Peter 1 that the Lord used. We're not going through that passage today. But this, this book, it just means so much. And I remember looking at this particular passage and it says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, he's forgotten. And I remember being, Lord, I have forgotten. I've forgotten the gospel. I have forgotten how much you love me. I have forgotten what Christianity is supposed to look like. And I, again, I confessed well. Okay, continuing. 1, 13 through 14. I think it's right as long as I'm in this body, says Peter, to stir up to you by way of reminder since I know that I'm leaving soon. He's telling them, don't forget the gospel. Don't forget that you are a forgiven people. Our hearts and our minds are so quick to wonder. And Peter's saying, as long as I'm alive, as long as I have breath in my lungs, church, you may get tired of hearing it, but I'm going to remind you of what the gospel is, who Jesus is, and the implications of the gospel that absolve all of your guilt. And all of your sins. And you're going to forget that within the next seven days. So I'm probably going to remind you again. As long as I'm in this tent of a body, I'm going to remind you. 
And then the second one is don't stop growing. He says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, he says, if they're increasing, Jesus began a good work in us. Remember two years ago, we went through Philippians. He began a good work in us and he'll bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And if the Lord saved you five years ago and there has not been sanctification where it kind of looks like this, something's amiss, something's off, something's wrong. Because the spirit of Jesus, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us and he is conforming us to the image of his son. And if that is not changing our behavior and if these qualities that he'll discuss aren't increasing, Something's wrong. And that's what Peter's saying. And then in 3.18, as he ends the book, this is next to the last passage, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The call is to never stop growing. If Christ began a work, it will continue. If there's no growth, then something's wrong. Okay, the third one, don't be deceived. Here's what he says, 2.1. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, and they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. We'll talk about those. We'll, we'll dig in. We'll see what are these destructive heresies that are somehow finding their way into the church that's causing confusion. And then in chapter 3, 3b through 4a, it says scoffers will come in the last days, with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, well, here's the promise of his coming. They will have us even doubt his return, which just takes us to the fourth one. Don't doubt his soon return. Lengthy passage. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and and the works that are done in it will be exposed. And he says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? And he answers that with lives of holiness and godliness as we wait and actually hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. And then 3.14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. That's the way we should be living. Holy, godly, saying no to sin, to saying no, saying no to deception, and the tactics of the enemy, saying yes to Christ, to godliness, loving the world less, loving Jesus more until our last breath. He's saying this is how you should be living and don't doubt his soon return because you think, where is it? It hasn't happened yet. It can happen any moment. Are you living in light of the fact that Christ is coming back for his church? We should be. Don't forget, don't stop growing, don't be deceived, and don't doubt his soon return. These are the primary themes that we're going to see as we walk through this book. We'll stay here all semester. We'll probably end around Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit later, but we're not going to finish until we're done. There's too much in here that we as a church 
need to see. The encouragement to you, church, and to me, to the elders, to everyone else who's going to be sitting under the teaching of this word in 2 Peter is to dig into it, to read it, to study it, to maybe go, go pick a passage like this one. His divine power has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's powerful. If you'll dig into that passage and let it marinate into your life, it'll change you. That was the passage that changed me. But dig into it. Listen to it. Maybe you read a chapter a day. Maybe you read all three chapters a day. Maybe instead of listening to the radio or Spotify on your way to work, you know, what I did yesterday, play Second Peter. Just listen to it over and over. I do believe that the Lord will reveal some very specific things to us individually and to us as a church collectively, and we will be stronger if we just dig into 2 Peter together. Okay, that's the introduction. We'll delve into it next week, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited about this particular study, and you all are saying, yeah, but you all get excited about every study that we do. It's true, but 2 Peter 1 changed my life, and I think it can change yours as well. So Sam, if you will, come on up. Let's get ready. Get your Bibles, get your Bible app, get your Bible journal. If you don't have one, there's some back in the back. We have about eight or 10 of those left. It's got First and Second Peter in it. And today we're going to read through Second Peter 1 through 3. Okay, let me pray first. Father, here we go. Lord, Peter has written this very intense, very bold, very declarative letter. And now it has found its way to Elizabethan, Tennessee in 2022. Help us to hear it. Help it to change us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sam, as you read, I'll pause probably three times. Only briefly, but I'll let you know. Okay. So the word of the Lord says, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things, that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Okay, quick, quick pause right there. So Peter's beginning the book just as he did with 1 Peter and just as Paul did in Ephesians 1 by reminding them and reminding us of our standing before God. The fact that we have even obtained a salvation through Christ's righteousness, through his atonement. He says, Sam just read it, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Remember in Ephesians 1, we were like, there's no, there's, you're either a saint or you're an ain't. I know that's not very theologically correct, but it's true. Either you know the Lord or you don't, but there's no levels of sainthood that you achieve to. And he's saying there's a faith that's here that came because of what Christ has done. And we're all on equal, you know, ground. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a righteousness that came from God that puts us in equal standing. And he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Christ, in the knowledge of what he has done. So this is the foundation. And then he's gonna go out of his way to show what that means or what that should mean for the believer, that these qualities should continue to increase in you. But if they haven't, you've forgotten. You need to go back to the beginning and you need to see what is the atonement? Who is Jesus? What did he do? And what took place at the cross? over and over and over. We say that we're a gospel-centered church. We have gospel-centered counseling, gospel-centered community groups, gospel-centered teaching. That means we're always asking, how does the gospel work itself out in this situation? What am I not believing in the gospel that has me running over here for this shiny thing or for my identity to be somewhere else instead of with who I am in Christ? And that's how Peter's beginning. Do you understand the gospel or have you forgotten? Okay, so, and he said, make sure you're calling an election sure, because if these things aren't happening at all, maybe you don't know him to begin with. Okay, continue, Sam. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we had the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, quick pause here. I was thinking as you were reading about John chapter nine, this isn't in my notes, but if you wanna go back to John chapter nine, you can read the story of Jesus who heals this man. 
and it infuriates the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they're so upset about it. And he doesn't really even know who Jesus is, you know, and they're like, so what happened to you? And he says, well, this guy, Jesus, he healed me. And they keep on and they keep on and they go interview his parents. And they're like, no, you need to go to him. He's a grown man. And he can, they continue to ask him. And he's like, all I'm telling you is what Jesus has done. I know that this is where I was and this is how I've been healed. And that's all I know. And it's an interesting you know, story. But sometimes in your witness, sometimes the best thing you can do is just tell what Jesus has done for you. It's as simple as that. You don't have to have all of Ephesians memorized. You don't have to be able to walk through the Romans road. You can say, this is where I was. This is where my life was headed. And this is where I am now and what Jesus has done. Peter's doing a little bit of that here, but he's taking it a step further saying, don't act like I don't know what I'm talking about. I was on a mountain and I saw Jesus transfigured before my eyes. I know that this was God incarnate in front of me. So don't act like I don't know what I'm talking about. There's a boldness that's here, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm hearing that and I'm seeing that, but I'm being reminded, oh God, help us to be bold with our witness of what Jesus has done as well. So he said, don't forget, don't stop growing. And now he's going to jump into, do not be deceived. These teachers are going to worm their way into the church and listen to what he says. Okay. Continue, Sam. But hey, false... just, just read all of chapter two. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> You can read now if you want to. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I won't interrupt you anymore. Okay. Sounds good. I don't trust you. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep them or to keep their unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. 
Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For, they, for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For, speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilement of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and have and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness, than after knowing it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Okay, I'm not going to give, there is too much there to give commentary on. So now we're going to pause and, and just kind of prepare for looking at chapter 3. And Peter is going to end the letter by saying Christ will indeed return. And our call is to hear that he's going to return. And Jesus said it this way. He said, occupy till I come. Be about the Father's business. He'll be here before we know it. And we need to be living lives of holiness and obedience and righteousness, growing, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, again, it's like next to the last thing that he says. And then this exclamation of praise where he says, to him be the glory both now and the day of eternity. Amen. So let's listen to this last chapter together and go ahead and just read the whole chapter. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, 
and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sam. You can go ahead and have a seat if you want. So here's Peter at the end of his life giving a pretty stern warning. And at the very end, he says, just grow, grow in him. Him to him only be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Don't forget, don't stop growing, don't be deceived, and don't doubt his soon return. So much in these three little chapters, I can't wait for us to work our way through them and, and just dive in and, and see what the Lord has for us. But as we close today, just a few questions that came out of our, our guide and the fact that this is at the end of his life. I started here at the beginning. A couple things to think about. If you know your time soon coming to a close, would you have something to say? What message or messages would you want to communicate? And to whom would you want to communicate it? And then the deeper question is, why wait? Why don't you do that this week? Who do you know that's just wandered from the Lord? Who do you know that's in a dark place? And you pray for them and you think about them, but you haven't mustered up the boldness to go to them. Double dog dare you to do that this week. In the name of the Lord, of course. Okay, second question. Is there a part of the gospel that you or that I have forgotten and need to be reminded of? Well, how do you know? Are you walking in victory? Or are you walking in guilt? Is there a specific sin that keeps on tripping you up? Or are you believing the gospel truths and saying no to ungodliness? Is your identity and my identity wrapped up in how other people view us and see us in our looks or in our status or what we've achieved or whatever? Or are we perfectly content being known and loved by the creator of the universe? Do you see yourself as completely forgiven? Or are you trying to work for your own salvation? What have you forgotten? We forget. 
I forget and I need to be reminded. Third question, are you growing in your faith? Do you love the Lord more now than you did five years ago, two years ago, a year ago? Are you understanding the gospel? Is your boldness increasing? Can your family see it? Can your kids see it? Can your spouse see it? Can they see Christ working his way in your life and you're becoming more and more godly? Or is it actually just the opposite? Or do you see yourself as stagnant? Peter's saying, don't stop growing. He began a good work. He'll bring it to completion. And through the day of Christ Jesus, we need to always continue growing. So a personal question for all of us, and we're not passing the mic this morning. This, these are introspective questions for each of us to, to consider and then take to the Lord before we take communion. Are you growing? Fourth one, you know, maybe, and I see this with some of my friends. Is there some teacher or teaching that has deceived you, that's causing you to doubt the goodness of God or to doubt his word or to doubt the validity of the gospel? Or have you questioned God's love or whatever? We have to be careful, careful to the teachings that come our way and to the messages and the messengers that are before us. How many of us are being deceived and we need to put those, those teachings and those, those teachers away from us? And then lastly, for all of us, for Redstone Church Elizabeth and for each individual that's sitting here today, are you living in the light of the soon return of Christ? If you are an unbeliever that has found your way into church and maybe found your way into church once again and you do it regularly, but you've never understood the truth of the gospel why in the world would you get in your car and go home today? You, you may do that, but you don't understand the eternal implications of not questioning what is this gospel? Who is this Jesus and what is the atonement? We can help you with that. It's not rocket science. He is the son of God. He is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. He is loving. He is just. He gave himself for us. And if we would believe in him, we would have eternal life. We can walk you through that gospel. Living in light of eternity begins with, do you even understand that this creator God came incarnate through Jesus Christ to die for us because he loves us? Or have you heard that, but you haven't believed? You haven't asked him to be your savior and your Lord. I implore you by the mercies of God, believe the gospel. Find space this morning just to tap someone that you know on the shoulder to say, can we talk? Fill out a little card and put it in the, in the box and we'll get together and have coffee this week. We'll talk through the gospel. But living in light of eternity starts with, do you believe the gospel? And then I was reading 1 John 2, 28 this morning. And it says, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence. 
should Jesus return at one o'clock this afternoon, how confident would you be at his return? Are there besetting sins, hidden sins, hidden struggles that you haven't been honest with him about that you need to confess? Do you need to appropriate the gospel in your own heart, in your own life, and just allow him to take all of those sins and all of that guilt? Or again, are you trying to hide those or suppress those? Or have you just forgotten and you're living in the world and for the world? Our desire is to live holy and righteous lives so that when he does appear, we may be confident before him at his coming. We're going to take communion in a moment before we do. I'd just like for you to bow your heads. Guys, you can go ahead and um, start passing out the communion elements. We said last week at family meeting that we really want to go back to doing communion on a weekly basis. If you weren't here, I'll just say this, not because we feel like that scripture mandates it, but because of everything that we're talking about. It's a great reminder of the gospel. I'm a forgetful person and I need to be reminded often and communion helps with that. So if you will, some of them may tap you and give you a communion element, but just bow your hearts, bow your heads, go before the Lord. If you knew your time was coming to an end, what should you say and to whom? Have you forgotten a part of the gospel? Are you growing in your faith? Have you been deceived in some way? And are you living in light of eternity? Take those questions before the Lord. Just be still before him for a few moments. And then I'll close this in prayer. Father, I know that today is the beginning of a long study. Lord, but I believe that you are already at work. Lord, I do believe that you speak in a way that your children can hear and that no one can come to you unless you draw them and you're always at work speaking. So Lord, I do pray that you just have your way with each of us this morning. Remind us, show us, convict us, comfort us. And as we step into a time of communion, oh God, may each of us that name the name of Christ and that call ourselves Jesus followers, we, may we walk out of here this morning with peace and with joy and with boldness and with gospel conviction. Maybe in a way that we didn't have as we walked in this morning. Remind us of the gospel as we take communion in Christ and we pray. Amen.